I was thinking about my, uh, my dad this week. My dad's been gone for many, many years now, but there's hardly a day that goes by that, um, that I don't think about him and the impact that he's had on my life and continues to have on my life. My dad was a wonderful guy. You would have loved him. Um, but I think he was an even better father. Um, he taught me morals and ethics, um, not just with his words, but through his deeds. That's a good thing. Um, and even though that he and I didn't have a lot of, of common interests, one thing I knew about my dad, that no matter what I was going through, no matter when I needed him, he would be there for me. I know that not everybody has someone like a dad like that in their lives, but, but I did, and I celebrate that. And, um, but I don't want to give you uh, the impression that my dad was perfect, because he wasn't. Um, There's a lot of things that my dad did very well, and a lot of things that my dad didn't do well at all. For example, my dad didn't really know anything about carpentry or plumbing or electric. And, and the way that played itself out in our lives was that when something went wrong in our house, we generally had to pay somebody to come in and do it. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, but the other practical application of that was that because he didn't know about carpentry and plumbing and electric, I didn't know. I didn't know about, because like, nobody was there to teach me. Now, I didn't want to grow up necessarily to be a carpenter or a plumber or an electrician. Nothing wrong with that, but I just, that wasn't my goal. But what I, I did want to know, I wanted to at least know the basics. So if something went wrong in my house, I could do it. But I didn't know where to start. And then, you've probably heard me say this before, but then came along this wondrous, miraculous thing called YouTube, right? You know what I'm talking about? You can learn to do just about anything on YouTube. They have these instructional videos on, on, in, on uh, YouTube, and my, I would venture to say that you could build a pretty darn sturdy and, and strong facility if just by a building, by, by watching YouTube videos. Now, I've said that before to you, probably. Well, let me, let me share something with you that you may not have heard before. Long before there was ever a YouTube channel with instructional videos, God gave instruction on construction. Did you know that? He does. Um, on the very first Sunday of the year, Pastor Billy, when he um, cast the vision that we have here to um, study First and Second Corinthians during 2022 here at Prairie Bible, um, he shared with you that one of the reasons why we chose these two letters written by Paul was because they were specifically written to uh, a new church, not unlike Prairie Bible is a new church. And we felt like there were things, instruction, in these two letters that we needed to hear specifically because we are a new church as well. So this morning, as we continue on that journey, um, I want to point you to some instruction on construction that the Apostle Paul has for us today. Okay, if you have your Bibles, open them up to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And if you're going to use one of the church Bibles, which is just fine, as Billy said, we've got all kinds of Bibles. We are a church. Take them home with you if you'd like. That'd be awesome. Just use them. Uh, that's on page 1,132, I believe, of your church Bibles, if those are going to be used today. And um, as you're looking that up, let me give you just a little bit of a background that will help you to understand what we're going to be looking at today. Um, as I alluded to earlier, the Corinthian church, especially at the time when Paul uh, wrote these letters to them, was probably a newer church than even what we are. 
We're only about four years old. That church was probably younger than we. But even though they were a new church, a very young church, they had already begun to experience problems in their church. There was a variety of them that we'll be looking at um, in the weeks and months to come. But one of the specific problems that they were dealing with was um, cliques had already started to raise up in the church. That happens all the time, by the way. Did you know that? That there, some people can feel, well, you know, you'll, you'll be coming into church and there'll be a group sitting over in the corner talking because they're good friends and everything, and it just feels like, well, I, I can't get into that, you know what I mean? happens all the time, and it was happening in the Corinthian church too. And what Paul had heard was that, um, that the cliques that were rising up in the Corinthian church were revolving around he and this other guy named Apollos. Some people would say, I am a follower of Paul. And this, this group over here would say, I am a follower of Apollos, which was another guy that God was using to disciple the Corinthians. And when Paul hears that this, these kind of cliques are rising up in the church, he's going, oh no, that's a bad thing. You don't want to establish that as part of your culture or um, use that cliques as part of the materials in which you're building the church, if you're using the analogy. Um, especially when you're just beginning to build the church. That's why the Apostle Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting at verse 11, if you got it. He says, uh, No one can lay a foundation other than the one that has already been laid, which is Christ. He's talking about the church, right? He's, ta- he's saying, Listen, guys! Stop this nonsense! Put these clicks away! And fix your eyes on Jesus. Now, he wasn't implying that Apollos wasn't important in the life of that church or that he wasn't important in the life of the church. What he was saying is, you've really got one leader and his name is Jesus. Now, you need to hear that today too. Every Christian needs to hear that. Because we can get caught up in the personalities of this person or that. I follow Billy or I follow Craig. You don't even have to be that specific. You know what I'm talking about. If you were a Christian, you were a follower of Christ. Amen? Remember that. And, that's what, and, and that is the firm foundation of the church, that you are a follower of Christ. He continues. But upon that foundation, look, you'll see. But upon that foundation, we, the church, Christians, can build. Build the church. We can build with things like gold and silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw. That what he's saying there is that that what you do is important too. The foundation, which is Jesus, is eternal. But what you do is important too. And the materials that you use to do what you do in building the church matters too. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw. Now, we know that he, those are analogies. That's not exactly what he was talking about. But we do... But What he's going to talk about, what those things really mean, we'll talk about in a minute. But the biggest thing I want you to hear right now is that what you do and the materials that you use to build the church matters. Why does it matter? Well, he tells us. He says, for one day, that which you have built, the church, will be brought out into the light of day and tested as through fire. He's saying that one, see, there's going to be storms, the fiery storms in life. Things are going to happen that will test the sturdiness of your church that you have built. 
For one day that which you have built will be brought out into the light of day and tested as through fire. And if that which you have built remains, then you shall receive a reward. If it's sturdy, if it stands the test of time, if it stands the the storms of life, then you shall receive a reward. But if it is destroyed, listen to this. But if it is destroyed, you will escape only with your salvation as one escaping through the flames. What do you think about that? This passage is, is a big deal for a church, for anybody, but, but for a church, especially a new church like us. And there's a whole lot of analogy or allusions being used to describe the church and the building up of the church. And it would be very easy for us to get lost in the analogy if we're not careful. But that hap- uh, the Bible is written that way in a lot of ways. Jesus himself spoke in parables, which were kind of analogies, right? And I think one of the reasons why God and Paul and others, why God uses these, these analogies or these parables is because he wants us to think deeply about them. And I, I fear that oftentimes we don't. So what is he talking about here? Well, let me break it down for you this way. I'm going to start with the most important thing and then kind of build out, all right? The most important thing that you need to glean from this kind of allegorical passage is that the foundation that has been laid for your faith is secure. And the foundation is who? Jesus, right? That is good news. Basically what he's saying here is that your your foundation is eternal. It doesn't matter what kinds of storms of life come along. If you have faith in Jesus, your foundation is eternal. Now, listen to me. Some people, um, what would, there's, a, there's a whole sermon series that we could be preaching on that idea itself. Because some people believe, well, is it possible to lose your salvation? Or, you know, I don't want to get into all that today. But I want, what I need you to hear is that what, what Paul is saying here is that foundation, which is Jesus, is eternal. Can you walk away from it? I don't, I'm not going to get into that. Can you deny it? I, we, we can talk if you have questions about that. But what he's saying is that what Jesus has done is sufficient. His dying on the cross and rising again on the third day is eternal. Stand on that. Claim that. It's yours, right? That should give you strength and, and hope no matter what the storms, the fiery storms of life might be. But he's also saying, as we said before, what you do matters. What you do to build upon that foundation matters. The materials that you use to build upon that foundation, which is Jesus, to build the church, matters. What kind of materials are you using? Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hair, straw. What does that mean? Well, it probably means a lot of things, but let me give you some practical examples just to give you an idea where to start and then you can fill in, okay? Let's just take gold, silver, precious stones, for example. I, I think when he's talking about those things that, that can be used to build the church, I think he's talking about things like prayer. What do you think? Is your, is your church, are you, are you using prayer to build your church? I think he's talking about things like humility and selflessness and, and biblical obedience. 
Now, there are, there are probably all, all kinds of other materials that would probably fit in that gold and silver and precious stones category, but you get, you, you get where I'm talking about, right? So what about wood hand straw? Well, let me give you an example of what I think wood might be. I don't know, I could be wrong, but I think the analogy of wood is talking about human ingenuity and hard work. I think human ingenuity and hard work are good things, don't you? Well, let me tell you. If you, use the, if, it's a, if you use the analogy of wood, first time a fiery storm comes along, what's going to happen to your wood structure? See, it's a, it's a good thing, and it's certainly better than, than hand straw, which I would equate to things like, like jealousy or, or uh, arrogance or pride. You see what I'm saying? Which, all things that exist in the church too, by the way. He's saying what you do, what you build upon the foundation, which is Jesus, the materials that you use matter. So choose well. Good stuff, isn't it? Yeah. What do you think? Think we should just stop right there? See, I am tempted to stop right there. I am tempted to stop right there because you know what I have learned about us human beings? We have a tendency to not be able to absorb here more than what we can absorb here. You know what I'm saying? Too much, too much of a good thing. You, you can only get so much in there. Oh, I'm getting it. All right. So I, I, I was tempted to stop there, but there's a part of this passage that, that I think I would be remiss if we didn't address it. And it's verses 16 and 17 there. You see them on, on the screen. But I want you to look in your Bibles too. Um, in verses 16 and 17, Paul, kind of on the heels of this discussion about, he says this, he says, do you not know that you are God's temple? That God's Spirit dwells within you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Now, before I go into um, interpreting that for you, let me just pause for a second and remind you of something that I try to remind you of on a regular basis. If you're like me, um, sometimes when we approach the Scriptures, we will pick a verse or a passage out of its context, and... Uh, interpret it without knowing what's going on around it. Don't do that. Because most of the time when you pick a, a verse or a passage up out of its context without taking into account what's going on before and after, you will misinterpret or you will try to apply it to situations or things that it doesn't apply to. That makes sense? This is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. People have taken verses 16 and 17 and plucked it out of the context which we've been talking about all morning, right? They will pluck it out of its context and then apply it to situations or things that it doesn't apply to. For example, there are people who have plucked those two verses out of their context and applied it to um, suicide, which is a grievous thing for the person who commits it and for the people who are left behind to, to pick up the pieces. But that is not what this passage is talking about. What's the context? 
What's the passage talking about? Just anybody, what's the passage talking about? Talking about the church! When it says you, he's talking about the church! He's not talking about this, he's talking about the church! And when he says that you are the temple, he's saying we, that the, we are the church. The church isn't a building. We are the church. And, and, and because we are the church and the Holy Spirit dwells, we are holy. And anybody that does anything to, to cause division in the church, that, that does things to dis- try to destroy them, maybe they don't even try, they're just doing it. He says, those are the things that stoke God's anger. So be careful, he's saying. Don't do those things that, that would cause the harm to the church or, or, or division in the church. Things like gossip or backbiting or, or, or people who teach unbiblical things. Anything that destroys the, the church, that, stay away. Be careful, he's trying to say. Don't do that stuff. Choose wisely. That which you build upon this foundation that we call Jesus, that we know is Jesus. Which brings me to this question. What materials do you bring to the building of this church? Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hair, straw. What materials do you bring to this church? Prayer. Biblical obedience, humility, selflessness, or things like gossip, clickiness, pride. Those things matter. But here's the good news. Here's the best news. No matter what you bring, whether it's good or not so good or bad. And there'll be all of that that we bring to the building of this church. Because we're human. The one thing that we can cling to, no matter what the storms of life, is a foundation that is eternal. And His name is Jesus. Amen? Amen. So here's my question for you today. That foundation only belongs to you if you've accepted Jesus into your heart as Lord and Savior. I'm glad you came to church. We say this every week, but it bears repeating every week. I'm glad you came to church today. I'm glad you're listening online. I'm glad you went to Sunday school this morning or you're in life group. I'm glad you read your Bibles. but you must make the conscious decision to accept Jesus as your Lord for yourself. Have you done that? If not, maybe today is the day that you should. If you would like to pray that prayer um, with your pastor, it would be my privilege. You don't need me to pray that prayer. It's a very simple prayer. It's not easy to live out, but it is a very simple prayer. It is... It is confessing that you're a sinner, that you make mistakes. It's asking God to forgive you and then making the decision to invite Him as your Lord into your heart. 
you'd like to pray that prayer with your pastor, right over there, that open door is our prayer room. It'd be my privilege to pray it with you. You don't need me. You can do it on your own, certainly. Or if there's other things going on in your life that you would like to pray with your pastor for, I'll be right over there.